need a Bible, there's one in front of you, or you can raise your hand either way, and you can get one there. I want to say hello to our student section. Hope you guys are going to the fall retreat with me, because I'm going. That'll be fun. Um, you can get more information at the Connect Center. Um, and then also, there's a bunch of booths outside in the lobby now with information on a lot of different ministries. So you can get a t-shirt there. You can buy CDs there at the different booths. Uh, you could also sign up for the McKinsey Run, whatever you need out there at the booths. Um, and I would like to apologize for my voice. I lost it last night. Um, and I am in a really good mood today. All right. <clears throat> That's all I'm going to say about that. Here we go. Acts chapter 3. <clears throat> we, are in the, uh, we are in the first week of a brand new series called Bold. Um, as you know, if you've been uh, with us for the past several weeks, we're walking through the book of Acts for however long it takes, maybe a couple years, 18 months, something like that. But we're in the first, series, first week of a brand new series called Bold, and quite honestly, we live in the safest country in the world, and uh, most of us live in the safest part of the safest country in the world, and yet, even with the unbelievable blessings that God has laid upon us as Americans and as folks that live in Jacksonville, um, oftentimes as Christians, we are some of the most timid Christians in the world. I even, I'm especially reminded of it when we go on a mission trip and we do things like um, pray for safe travel. I always think about what that sounds like to my friends that ride to school on the back of a dump truck with 70 other friends. And if they heard my prayers, dear God, please keep us safe. I imagine what some of my compassion friends would go, I think he has. Uh, you have seatbelt laws, you have airbags, you have, uh, you know, highway patrolmen, you have five-point harness for your children and a safety helmet, and I mean, you've got a lot going on that God has already provided you safety with. And, and I just began to look at us as Christians, and uh, we probably should be the boldest believers of all of human history, and let's just be honest, we typically are some of the most timid. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to take a look at what it means to be bold. And we're going to talk about bold faith today, not just boldness. All right, because you, you can do some dumb stuff and call it boldness. And it is bold. My fraternity was bold. But there, there was not a lot of bold faith going on uh, in my fraternity house. And so uh, as, we, as we catch up with what's going on in the first church in Acts chapter 3, we're going to see what bold faith looks like. So here we go. Now, Peter and John. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. I just want to point out one thing, <clears throat> is that Peter and John weren't looking for a moment to be bold. They were just on their way to pray. And when you're praying, crazy stuff happens. Great stuff happens. God-glorifying stuff just happens. And we want our church to be a church of prayer. Let me point something out to you. On your notes, um, there's a, a prayer card section. If you fill that thing out, if there's something that you need prayer about, and you fill out that prayer request, and you drop it in one of the, the offering boxes all around the room here, our entire staff spends all week praying for every single one of those. The actual uh, physical card that you have in your hand right now makes it to my desk by Tuesday morning, and I pray for every single one of those. And then every one of those gets scanned and sent to every person on staff. Whether you're like the pastors, the ministers, the, the people that run the facilities, the admin, it doesn't matter who you are on staff, everybody gets those. And we all commit to pray for every single one of those. And then whenever the Spirit leads us to do something in particular with one of those, you might get an extra phone call or text or whatever. And there's probably some other things that we could get to if we didn't spend so much time praying for all of that. But we've just decided that we're going 
going to try to be like the first church, and everything we do is just bathed in prayer. So we take those things very, very seriously. It's not just a bulletin filler, okay? If you fill that thing out, a number of people go before the throne of God and say, Dear God, here's another one of your children, and they've got something going on. And we know that you know this prayer request, but we want to join with them in faith, God, uh, that you would move in a mighty way. And so here, uh, Peter and John, are on, they're just on their way to pray, and we'll see what happens. Verse 2, in a And a man lame from birth, if you're under 35, that word lame doesn't mean he's a loser. It means that he can't walk, all right? And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms. Alms means he was begging for money. To ask alms of those entering the temple, verse 3. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. You see... There's no better time than to ask for help than outside of the temple, right, or outside of church, because either you catch people going in, and somehow they feel like, well, if I help this man out, God might hear my prayers better, even though that's not how it works, but that's still kind of how we operate in the flesh, or you catch them leaving the temple, and they're all juiced up because they just had this encounter with God, and they're feeling more gracious and more giving, and so this guy thinks, this is the best place for me to to get some money, and so he's asking for money, verse 4. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and he said, look at us. And so you know, you know what's about to happen is important, because he's going, look at me. Hey, look at my face. Look at me. It's like when you tell your kids, look at me. That means what I'm about to say isn't important, okay? And so Peter says, look at us, verse 5, and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. So this guy begging knows this is about to get good. In fact, I might get my entire day's begging done in this one stop because this is going to be good. And he's expecting to get some money. Verse 6, but Peter said, I have no silver or gold. And you know, at this point, the man's like, dang it. More religious people with advice, you know. Here's what I have for you. I'm going to pray for you. Thanks. That's what I need is prayer. Uh, How about some advice? You know, you need to work harder. Maybe you get a a computer job. You don't need legs for a computer job. You know, get some advice. So you know this guy has got to be bummed here. Peter says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There is a lot in that one verse. I mean, there is a lot packed into this one verse on what it means to be bold. First of all is this. First, um, you know when he says, I have no silver or gold, he's bummed, that oftentimes God's no is actually his blessing. You realize that? That sometimes God's no is actually God's blessing. This man is saying, can I get some money? And Peter goes, no. And you know he's bummed, but that was really the blessing because God had something more in store for him. Listen, folks, some of you are praying for things, and you're going to get a no, and it's actually God's blessing in your life. And, and, and you know how I know that? Because I remember my prayers as a 16-year-old, okay? And some of the things I prayed as a 16-year-old, God's reply was, I love you, no. All right? A Porsche at 16, no, All right? When I was six years old, I begged my dad to communicate to Santa Claus that I wanted a horse. And Santa Claus, Jesus, and my daddy all agreed, no. (laughs) When I was seven seven years old, I asked for a 12-gauge shotgun. No. I got a Red Ryder BB gun. Don't shoot your eye out, okay? Why? 
Was that God's discipline? No, that was because God loved me. Sometimes God's, his provision in your life is a no. It's why the Holy Spirit invented uh, the high school reunion. Do you realize that? (laughs) Teenagers, listen to me. You are going to spend the next few years of your life and you are going to be so enthralled with what this little group of people thinks about you. And so you're going to dress a certain way and you're going to act a certain way and you're going to talk a certain way. And then, because what they think about you is so important. If you can just hang in there and just trust your pastor on this one. God gave us this gift called the high school reunion that one day you will show up and you will see these people and think, oh dear God, why did I care? What? what these people thought about me, all right? I I hope she doesn't listen, but when I was in high school, I dated this girl named Amy Bigham, and I used to pray, dear God, if you could let me marry Amy Bigham. And then I went to my high school reunion and said, oh, thank you, Jesus, for a no. And if you've been to one of those, I'm 39, so I hit a 20-year now. So if you've been to one of those, you walk in, you go, God, everybody got so old. What happened to everybody else? And everybody changes so much that they have to put the picture of the, from the yearbook next to their name so you can recognize your best friends. And you walk up to these ball-headed losers going, hey, what's up? Ted, wow, you look, what you been doing, right? Yeah, it's because sometimes... God's best for you is no. Ben talked about being a good dad. 189 times in the New Testament, Jesus refers to God Almighty as Heavenly Father. We serve a good dad, and he wants to bless you. He wants what is best for you. And often what is best for you is no. It's no. Because he didn't want to give you something that would actually uh, deter you from seeking after him. And if you're a parent, you know that you tell your kids no because you love them. And so they don't get Skittles for breakfast. And so what this guy was doing, this guy's asking for silver and gold, and he gets a no, and it's actually God's provision for him. Uh, The second thing, just from this, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do, I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk, is oftentimes um, we're searching for things that we don't really need. Like, we, we think we need one thing, but what God has in store for us is something so much more. This guy thought all he needed is a little bit of money, a little pocket change, just to, you know, get a little bit of food so he could come back the next day and still just kind of sit in his filth and be a beggar. But he didn't need money. He needed a miracle. He needed to walk. He needed God to, to, to move in a miraculous way. And there are some of you here this morning and... And, and, and you, you don't want for enough. You're satisfied with too little. You, you think all you need is a boyfriend. And you need intimacy. And you do not settle for less. Some of you think all I need is more money. If I could just get a little bit more money. If I could get a 4% raise in my job, then I would be okay. And, and that's not what you need. You need contentment. The Apostle Paul from prison writes to the church in Philippi, I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, and and you think just a little bit more money and all of your problems would be solved, and God has so much more for you. Um, Some of you think that you just need the right medication. If you can just get the right meds worked out, and what God has in store for you is a peace that transcends all understanding. 
Some of you think, if I could just get a vacation, if I could just get one night's sleep and seven days away, then I'd be okay. And that's not enough. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you vacation. No. I mean, take a vacation, but that he would give you rest for your soul. Some of you think you need, a, you need to find the right church. And so you've been church hopping and church shopping, and you know what you need? You need Jesus. You don't need more church attendance, but you need to abide in Christ, and he will abide in you. You need to be plugged in to the vine. Some of you think you need, um, you need to be a better Christian. There is no such thing. There's dead and there's alive. That some of you think that you need a better version of you to eat a little less, uh, to work a little harder, to cuss a little less, to not lie so much, to try to be a better version of you. And, and it's not enough. You know what you need? You need to be reborn. You need to be crucified with Christ, to bury yourself and have the new come alive that he has so much more in store for you than just a better version of you. And you're kind of like the guy sitting on the sidewalk begging for change and what he really has in store for you is a miracle. He doesn't want to just kind of tighten you up and and make you into a little bit better version of you, but he wants to totally transform your life. See, I I think our problem is not that we ask for too much, but that we're satisfied with too little. That, That God has this abundant life in store for you. And that doesn't mean more stuff. It definitely, you know how I know it doesn't mean more stuff? Because the stuff that you have now is not working. So why would more of what's not working work? That's the cul-de-sac of stupidity. He has so much more in store for you. So don't be satisfied with a little bit of pocket change when what he has in store for you is actually a miracle, a life-changing miracle. Now, if you think about what's going on here from the perspective of the Apostle Peter, imagine this. So you're walking up to go pray, and here's a guy that's begging for money. Can I have some money? And look what Peter says to him. He says, I don't have silver and gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I mean, come on. You want to talk about bold faith? Peter just says this right here. I mean, typically, if you're a preacher, um, that's a bold statement, isn't it? Because what happens if the guy doesn't get up and walk? Then what do you do? Who's listening to your message then? So I got a confession to make. If I'm Peter and I'm in this situation, and even if the Lord calls me to to pray for healing for this guy, um, I think I'm going to just kind of pray that bold part sort of to myself so that nobody hears it. Because if you say it, I mean, if it's out there, then what if he doesn't rise up and walk? But what does Peter do? Peter calls it out in faith with boldness. And you know what? You know what Peter could have done in that situation? Peter could have, when the guy says, can I have some money? He could have focused on what he didn't have. He could have said, oh man, another missed opportunity. If I would have just had some money, if I'd have just had a little silver and gold, I could have met this guy's needs. And his, and his friend John, he'd have been stoked. Uh, the apostle John, he writes over and over and over about seeing your brother in need and meeting the need. Here's something that you need to hear. In your life's ministry, God always gives you exactly what you need to accomplish what God has called you to do. Okay? In your, in your life's work, all right, 
that God will always give you exactly what you need to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. So Peter doesn't focus on the fact that he doesn't have any money. What he focuses on is, I got Jesus, and I'll give you Jesus. Rise up and walk. So I want to share the story with you. I hope it illustrates it. If not, it's still a great story, so I don't care. Ready? This weekend, uh, this Monday, um, as I was in the tree stand in Woodbine, Georgia, uh, writing my sermon, the craziest thing in the world happened to me. So I, I get there early, really, really early, 5 o'clock or so, climb up the tree, and there I am. It's pitch black dark, and I just pray. I pray, really. Just pray for you. Pray for us. Beg Jesus. Jesus, you're our senior pastor of our church. What do you have for our people? And then about, about 6.15, 6.20, it's about when the sun's not all the way up yet, but it's starting to lighten up a little bit, and you can kind of see the ground a little. You can begin to see silhouettes. So at that point in my prayer time in the tree on Mondays, I open one eye just in case as the deer panteth for the water, right? All right, so that's going on, but I'm still praying. <clears throat> and so this owl flies under my stand and lands on a tree right in front of me, an owl. And it's about 10 yards from my tree. And I'm looking, and I'm, I'm not totally sure what it is, you know, but I'm like, I think that's an owl. That's unbelievable. And I think that's cool. And I'm like, Lord, thanks for letting me experience this. And then the owl flies up to the same tree that I'm in. And it's really close. And it's a little bit creepy. Owls are big, all right? And I'm looking out, like, whoa. And then it does a little, whoa, 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 you know, and then flies away. And, and a couple of owls are making a lot of noise over here. And then I think it flies behind me. And then there I am. It's about 6.20 now, kind of looking around, kind of see a little bit. And then um, super quiet, just peaceful. Then out of nowhere, boom, in the back of the head, this demon-possessed owl attacks my head. No joke. I mean, just. Boom, in the back, not even like a drive-by, you know, grab, but just a full-on slam into the back of my head. And I said, what? I'm not going to tell you what I said, because I just know this. The Bible says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I still got some heart stuff I need to work out that I didn't know was in there, but it's out there. And one of our staff members says, if a pastor cusses in the woods and no one's there to hear him, yeah, it's like the tree falling, it doesn't count. So, I mean, it is on. And then I reach back, and, and I'm not hurt, but it hurt, you know? And there's blood on my hands. This owl drew blood. I'm telling you, this thing was a demon-possessed owl. And this look, it's 10 yards from me on this branch in front of me. And so I shine my flashlight on it, and it's got one leg kind of cocked up, and it's looking at me all like, what was that? And all I can think is, this thing is going to attack me in the face. I mean, I am afraid. I'm, I'm like, Lord, help me. All right? Help me. I didn't know owls were vicious predator-type animals. All I knew was the Tootsie Pop. You know, one, two, three. That's a lie. That is a lie. And then this thing is standing there staring me down. And I can tell, you know, if you've been in a fight before, I'm from Dillon, I've been in a couple. So you can tell where they're about to come at you. And I'm like, Lord, you got to give me, help me, Lord, help me. And it was like, it was like he quoted Second uh, Peter 1, 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. God said, I have given you everything you need for this situation. And he had in the form of a Glock 45 on my hip. So in the name of Jesus, we handle, if you love owls, I'm just going to stop right there, but that owl will not harm anybody else. But I'll tell you what. 
If I see another owl in the woods, that's a preemptive strike, right? <laughs> Obviously, it was from the devil trying to keep me from writing a sermon. So, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're going to find it. You start living with bold faith. You start living with bold faith, and you're going to find yourself in a situation where you feel ill-equipped to handle the situation that you're in. But his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. You're going to step out in bold faith to meet the needs of some of your family members. And it may be, it may be silver and gold that you need to give them. Or it just may be the gospel. That I don't have any money, but this situation doesn't require money. What you need is Jesus. Rise up and walk. Are you going to need to forgive somebody in your family and you're not going to feel like you have what you need, but his divine power has given you everything that you need to accomplish what he has called you to do. Peter could have been focused on what he did not have, but all he did was everything that he could do with what God had given him in that situation. And you start living bold faith and it's going to happen to you. And you just watch how God comes through. And so Peter looks at this guy and he says, I have no silver and gold, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk, verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. I mean, this is bold, folks. He just said it. And then you know what he did? He reached his hand out as if he actually believed that God could do what he just proclaimed that God could do in Jesus' name. Now, again, I just need to confess, um, this has not often been my experience, okay? Do you ever watch those TV guys when when they pray for people and they fall down? See, when I'm running through the channels this afternoon, I mean, I'm a preacher, so if I see other preachers, I go, that's why we're going to watch this for a second, all right? If if you were a a chef and you ran by a cooking show, you'd be like, hold on, let's see how they do it, all right? And so I watch them, and especially those guys, you know, they pray in Jesus' name, and then boom, people fall down. Well, when I do that, people don't fall down. You come up at the end of the service, and I pray for healing in the name of Jesus, and then they go, thank you, pastor, we'll see you next week, and then they just walk away. (laughs) But what Peter does is Peter goes ahead and he calls out what's going to happen before it happens. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Notice what he doesn't do. Hey, guess what, fella? You caught me at a great time. John and I are going to pray. We will pray for you and pray some kind of wimpy little prayer. Dear God, be with the crippled man. As if God's not going to be with He's everywhere. How can you not be with him? Be with the crippled man and thank you for this day. And if it be thy will, Amen. No, he says, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And then the Bible says he reaches out his hand. Now you've got to look at the details of these verses here. Notice this. Did the man stand up and begin to walk after he said it? No. It was when Peter reached out his hand and helped him up. You see, faith, a lot of folks think faith is this feeling. And some people have a lot of it, and some people have a little of it, and and it has to do with this feeling. Like you can just close your eyes, and some people can just believe in things they can't see better than others. What Acts 3 teaches us here is that faith is behaving as if you really believe. The faith is behaving, putting some action behind all that stuff we talk about here in church. That Peter said, rise up and walk, and then he acted like 
God could actually do in Jesus' name what Peter just said was going to happen in Jesus' name. So look at the text. It says that, that he, he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And that's when immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. It was in the action of faith that the miracle happened. Not just the words of it. You know what it leads to me to believe? How many miracles are still sitting on the sidewalk because we didn't reach out in faith? I mean, we said we'd pray and we said all the right words and we even gave God that little out clause because we didn't really believe God could do it. You ever do that? I'm confessing. I do it all the time. Dear God, heal this person. But if you don't, here's an out clause. That will be done. And we're not really praying for his will to be done. We're trying to just cover us because we don't want to be embarrassed. But what does Peter do? Peter reaches out his hand. He, he behaves as if he actually believes that this man could be healed. And it was in that behaving, it was in that bold act of faith, not feeling, that he reaches out. And it was in that that the man gets up. I just wonder how many people have not felt forgiven, forgiven how many miracles have not happened and are still sitting on the sidewalk because we didn't reach out. You see, the Bible says that the Spirit of God does not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. You see, fear leads to paralysis, and faith leads to action. It's what almost the whole book of James is about, that faith leads to action, and so that's exactly what Peter does here, that he reaches out his hand. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, then, then you've got to ask yourself, what in the world gave Peter the confidence to be able to do this? Isn't this the same guy that six weeks ago didn't have the confidence or the boldness to even, to even admit that he was a follower of Christ? I mean, he denied Christ three times on the night that Jesus was betrayed. So what happened from that moment to this moment that not only is he preaching publicly the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he's also looking at crippled people saying, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, and then reaching out his hand and helping them up? You see, I got to believe that, that Peter had to remember Matthew chapter 17. In Matthew chapter 17, uh, the Matthew, he records this unbelievable incident that happened. And, and it was a time when Peter tried to go out and do miracles, and he failed that he was a failure in the healing business. In Matthew chapter 17, there's this dad who has a son who has epileptic seizures, and, and we find out that the kid has a demon. And so Jesus had sent out the disciples. Peter was the leader of the disciples. He had sent them out to heal people and to cast out demons. Well, the dad brings the kid to Jesus and says, hey, we got a problem. Um, your disciples, I brought him to the disciples, but they couldn't heal him. And in verse 17 of Matthew 17, Jesus sounds like he's a little aggravated. And he says, oh, faithless and twisted generation. How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. I imagine he's kind of looking at his disciples like, really, fellas? Really? All right, just bring him to me. And in verse 18, and Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the boy was healed instantly. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, because of your little faith. And then in verse 21, he says, this kind requires prayer and fasting. In other words, you skipped over the most important part. It starts with prayer. That's where it starts. And then he says something very famous. Even if you're new to Bible study, you've probably heard some of these words. And Jesus says, for truly, I say to you, 
If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus is saying, do you know how big a mustard seed is? I almost brought one in, but it's so small you couldn't see it. So, you know, it'd be like, here it is. Everybody see it? You can't see it. It's that little. I mean, it's tiny. This is an agricultural society. Everybody knows how big a mustard seed is. It's a tiny, tiny little seed. And what Jesus is saying to the disciples in Matthew 17 is, even if you have the tiniest little bit of faith, because that's some of us in the room, you have a hard time believing, you'd make a great disciple. Jesus says, if you had the tiniest little bit of faith in an almighty and infinite, all-powerful God, then you could say to that mountain, move, no matter how big it is, you could say, move, and you don't even have to turn and look and see if it moved, because you know by faith that it moved that the tiniest little bit of faith in an almighty God, nothing is impossible. But you take all the faith in the world and you put it in you, imperfect little you, and mm, hit or miss. Sometimes cool stuff will happen, most of the time not. And so I believe that when, when Peter is standing there outside of the temple and he says, you know what, I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me to tell this guy, I don't have any money, but what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Remember what he was doing? He was on his way to pray. So he got that prayer part covered. And then he didn't have a little tiny bit of faith, but he had action behind what he actually believed. And he reaches his hand out and this guy stands up. Verse eight, check this out. And leaping up, he stood and he began to walk and he entered the temple with them. Now, as Western Christians, we don't get what a big deal this is. But this guy, this layman, has never been in the temple before. Because first century Jews believed that if you, were, if you had some kind of physical ailment, that you were being cursed by God because of your disobedience or your parents' disobedience. In John chapter 9, Jesus clears all that up and says, that's not how this works at all. But because of that, this man was never allowed into the temple. Which, by the way, regardless of your background, regardless of who you are, what you're struggling with, you are always welcome in this place, into the presence of God. And so, this man, for the very first time in his entire life, gets to worship God in the temple. This would have been the biggest deal of his entire life. And so it says, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, why is he walking and leaping and praising God? This is worship. This is his response to who God is and what he's done. So why is he a leaper? Because he used to be crippled. You know who leaps in worship? You know who praises God like that in worship? People that know, they know what they've been saved from. You know who's lazy in worship? People that think they were really, really savable. The people that would say, well, I know Jesus died on the cross for me and all that, but I've been here for a long time, and I was pretty close to salvation already. It didn't take much, you know, just to get me from death to life. I mean, it was a pretty short walk. And I'm not talking about style here, all right? But the people that know that they were saved from death and brought into life, you can't help but leap and to praise God. The word hallelujah is from two Hebrew words. It means halal. Yahweh, halal means to jump up and down, to raise your hands, to turn in circles, all right? Yahweh is God. In the Bible, it's translated praise God. That's not like this. Praise God. That's just not it. And it is evident in your worship. There is leaping, and then there's just lazy. 
And if you're lazy in the way you respond to God, you might want to remember that day that you went from lame to walking or death to life or blind to seeing and then respond by praising God for what he has done. That's what this man does. You see, one of the results of bold faith is this individual praises God. The reason that we show the baptism videos, I mean, those amazing somewhat unbelievable stories is not to highlight those individuals, but it's so that we all collectively can praise God. And I love the fact, I love the fact that so many different people come to one God through Jesus Christ. The only thing those people today in the baptism stories had in common is Jesus. You got the hardworking family man who has to surrender to Christ. You got the teenage girl that, um, that was forced to be at church and she surrenders to Christ. You've got the woman that's given up on living and is miraculously saved both physically and spiritually. And you've got the successful businesswoman that realizes that, that, look, this world isn't enough for me, that there's more and his name is Jesus. And it's not to glorify those people. It is their way of glorifying God. And that's what this guy does. Walking and leaping and praising God. Verse 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. That's what this is. This is a time for us to gather together and be filled with wonder and amazement. That we would see those baptism stories and we would be filled with wonder and amazement. Do you know why? Well, when, when bold faith happens, lots of people gather around the cross, and are filled with wonder and amazement. It's why our church is growing. It's not because of me, and it's not because of our our incredible band. It's because of you. People have seen your life change. They know you used to be the cripple guy outside of the temple, and now you can walk, and they are filled with wonder and amazement. I think the reason there's so many people here is because of you. People look at some of you and go, well, if that guy can get saved, there's hope for me too. I think I can go to that church and meet this Jesus is transforming lives and that's what's happening here let me ask you this when's the last time um when's the last time someone was astonished when's the last time someone was filled with amazement because of your bold faith when's the last time god used you to do something that required bold faith for him and people gathered around and said i can't believe it and God was glorified by it. That, that could be a little convicting, isn't it? it listen, I'll, if you're a brand new Christian, I'll even give you a pass. But if you, look at, if you look at what was going on here in the New Testament church, there was some bold faith and there were some people that were astonished and filled with awe and wonder. Well, when's the last time you were a part of that? What have you been doing that's bold in the name of Jesus. I began to think about it. Man, you know, I led a Bible study in Panera Bread Thursday morning. That doesn't sound very bold compared to the first century church, right? Oh, no. People might find out at Panera that the preacher reads his Bible. <gasps> well, what about you? Because, or do you think the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that resurrected Christ from the dead, that established the very first church, that healed the guy outside the temple, you think is on vacation? Or do you really believe that that same Holy Spirit abides in here and abides in you? Now, I don't think he will do the same thing because, because the Holy Spirit's not a duplicator. He's a creator. 
But what are you doing, church? I want to lead a bold faith church. Now, let me, let me tell you my, um, my temptation right now. Tell you a little bit about my sigma. My temptation, my temptation here at this point in the sermon is to tell a big bold faith story. Because I got some good ones. I mean, I've got some really good ones. And I really love to get a big, like a big rise in reaction out of you, all right? And I could tell a story right now um, about, a, about a, a, a missionary that took his family to an unreached people group and the, and the people killed his family and God used that to save the whole village. Or I could tell you about a very close friend of mine who was smuggling Bibles in Afghanistan and Al-Qaeda chased him around and he got into a fist fight with a guy with an AK-47 and got away. It's like, it's like born identity for Jesus, right? And we could tell that story and we could talk about bold faith and you'd be like, man, that was awesome. And it would be awesome. And I could work it just at the end to make you cry. And if I can make a couple of grown men cry during a service, I know that's a good sermon. All right. That's how I know. But the problem with that is we would walk out of here and go, wow, that was an awesome story as we just eat lunch and do nothing. So what does it look like to be bold in your faith for us? I mean, what does that look like? Because, again, we live in the safest country and the safest part of the safest country. And yet we've been called to have this bold kind of faith to put some action behind what we, what we say we believe. And so here's what I want to do for this week. I, I dare you, I dare you this week to do one thing in Jesus' name that requires bold faith. Now let me explain what in Jesus' name is. Because again, you could do something bold that is not in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name doesn't just mean you do whatever you want to do, you say whatever you want to say, you pray whatever you want to pray, and then you just add in Jesus' name to the end and it makes it in Jesus' name. That, that's not how this works. In Jesus' name means in character with Jesus. So when Peter reaches out and heals this man, it's not because he has God on a, at, on a string like a puppet and says, I claim healing God, now you have to do what I told you to do. But in Jesus' name means that Peter was full of the Holy Spirit and God told Peter to be a conduit of his grace to this man. And here's what I have working for me right now as the preacher, as the proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit as my, almost like my partner here. And that the Holy Spirit in every believer in this place, I believe, is going to begin to stir in you what that, what that one thing what that one bold step for you this week may be. And so maybe, maybe it's you make the phone call. Maybe it's you make the phone call. There is this person, this brother or sister in Christ, or this literal brother or sister in your family, and you've been sideways with them for a long time, and you've been putting it off and putting it off, and this week, in Jesus' name, because Jesus is, he called us to be uh, ministers of reconciliation, and so in Jesus' name, you would take the bold step to pick up the phone and just make the phone call. Or maybe it's to forgive. And I know it's not your fault. And I know you'd say, but it's not fair. But we're not talking about fair. We're talking about bold faith. And that this week you would just, in bold faith, pick up the phone and make the call. Or maybe this would be the week that you would actually invite your coworker to church with you. And you'd say, oh, but pastor, I have invited them. No, you haven't. You've done the non-vite. The non-vite is, you should come to church with me sometime. That's not an invitation. That's a non-vite. That's what I do to people that I don't really want to hang out with, but I like them enough to say hi to them in the hallway. I can't believe I'm going to tell you my secret, but here's what we do. If it, I say, oh, we should get together sometime. You know what that means? We're never getting together. 
Because there is no such time as sometime. All right, that's great. When? Sometime. Where? Together. All right, great. Never is it happening. But it seems pleasant. An invite is, uh, I can pick you up at 1030 so we get there all the time. I can meet you in the McDonald's parking lot at 11 so we can be there at 1122. Maybe that's the bold faith step that you need to make. Um, Maybe it's time you just let it go. Or maybe that one step in Jesus' name this week is you finally sign up for the mission trip. You take all the excuses and reasons that I know they're so perfectly valid in your mind and you just set them aside and you sign up for the mission trip. Or, or maybe, it's, um, maybe you say something instead of nothing. That tomorrow at work when everybody's gathering around and they're gossiping about your boss and you say, hey, as, much, as entertaining as this is, uh, by faith, I've got to step out of this conversation. And they'll say, yeah, but you used to lead this conversation. I know, I know. And I know as I walk away, I'm the next topic that you'll talk about, all right? I get that, but, but I just can't be a part of this. That's bold. And I know this next one's going to, I'll get an email about it, because that, that's fine, I don't read my email. So um, listen to me, girls. Uh, maybe, maybe what you need to do in bold faith is not dress slutty for Halloween, okay? That you would... Not dress slutty for how I just want to make sure everybody heard that right, okay? And some of you are like, no, 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 but we got a plan. Wait, hold on, don't clap either, because most of the people that clap are the ones that wish they could, all right, and they can't pull it off. So <laughs> let's don't get self-righteous either, okay? I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry to set you up that way, but okay. And you're going, no, 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 but me and all my girlfriends, me and all my friends, we got a plan, okay? There was going to be a slutty nurse and slutty fireman and slutty policeman, and I'm slutty angel. And it's, but if you would show up as a nun, or now you don't have to be a Bible character, but just something <laughs> decent, and just say, hey, let's I, change of plans. Um, I'm too valuable. The, the Bible says that I was knit together in my mother's room. The Bible says that I am fearfully, which doesn't mean like afraid, but reverently, fearfully and wonderfully made, that his works are wonderful, and I know that full well. And all of this is for somebody, but it isn't the people at the lemon bar, okay? This is not who this is for. This is, this is for somebody else. And so I'm just going to dress in a way um, that, that displays how valuable that I am, that I'm not my own. I was bought at a price. Therefore, I'm going to honor God with my body. Maybe that, that could be for you as bold as the mission field. And gentlemen... Maybe, maybe the bold step for you, especially single guys, that you would treat, that you would treat women uh, not as a commodity to be used and traded, but that you would treat them like a daughter of the king, that you would treat them the way you're hoping somebody's treating your future wife. And, and, and you watch what begins to happen. There'll be some bold conversations that start to happen, okay? And maybe that's what God is calling you to do. Or this one, I, I know this one's crazy. All right? It's kind of silly. But maybe you would grow a mustache. All right? Because isn't this awesome? <clears throat> Gretchen can't keep her, hand, keep her hands off of me, I'm telling you. <laughs> Fellas, you grow a stash, girls can't resist. All right, so. <laughs> you know what I'm praying for? This is ridiculous, but I don't care. Here's what I'm literally praying for. I'm praying for the day, maybe six months from now, that we show a baptism video. And it starts out like this. Um, I asked the guy in the cubicle next to me, what's with the mustache? And he said, it's something my church is doing. You should come check it out. And then by the end of the baptism video is, Jesus is my Lord. Bloosh, and we dunk them. Because God uses just that. I know it's silly, but God can do all kind of crazy things. That God would use just the boldness of that 
to begin a conversation led by the Holy Spirit. And some of the women are like, what about us? And if you can grow a mustache, ladies, I'd encourage you not to. You're, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God bless you. All right, you won't have a mustache in heaven. I promise you have a redeemed body. All right, so, but a part of the reason we've really focused in on the guys, let me just tell you, is because, fellas, it's time to live bold. And it's time to lead like we were created and called to lead at church and at home. And, and ladies, um, you get an A+. Plus, okay? If it wasn't for you women, we wouldn't even have a church in America. Because the guys have abdicated their responsibility, clearly laid out in Scripture. And thank God that you stepped in to, to keep the thing going. And you were, you were the first witnesses of the resurrection. You were first to the tomb. You were the first evangelist, yes and amen. And for the last several centuries, you've been doing 99% of all the work at church, probably, and at home. But listen, men of 1122, it's time to rise up, and it's time to be bold and to lead boldly. And that doesn't mean some sort of fake machoism, you know, that thinks you're tough. Absolutely not. That means like Christ-centered servant leadership. Man, maybe the boldest thing that you could do, husbands, is that you would love your wife like Christ loved the church and you would lay your life down for her. Maybe the bold thing that you need to begin to do because the marriage is a little stale, maybe you need to pursue her again. And that's what you, that's what you commit. Maybe that's what the Holy Spirit lays on you to do this week, that you, you go after her with an intensity, I'm telling you, to make her feel valued. And I guarantee you, a mustache will help, all right? It'll help you. It really won't. I, I got to brag on him because I'm so proud of him. Uh, when Gretchen went to pick up JP this Wednesday at school, uh, they, they come outside of school and they have to sit under this little awning at, at his elementary school and they wait on all the cars to pick him up. And so it's about a 20-minute wait, you know. And so JP just decided for some reason, for whatever reason, we didn't set him up to do this. He just did it. Uh, Eddie, sitting on the front row, one of our children's workers, gave JP an action Bible a couple years ago. And JP just decided, I'm going to start taking that to school with me. Just started this, this past week. And so he takes his action Bible to school. And when all the kids are sitting there waiting to be picked up, uh, Gretchen pulls up and there's JP with his action Bible open and a crowd of kids gathered around him. And he's just sharing Bible stories with them, all right? Now, he, all he does is the bloody ones, right? So you go Goliath. <laughs> you go crucifixion. That's good. You know, that, that's, what he, that's where he's at, but... And we were so proud for his bold faith. But you know what so many times we do? We go, oh, that's so cute for a first grader. And then as if we graduate beyond bold faith. So for him, in his walk with Jesus, that's what he believes the Holy Spirit is leading him to do. And so by faith, he is putting some action behind what he believes. Now what about you? This week, not crazy, not just boldness, but bold faith. What is the one thing that you are going to do in Jesus' name that requires bold faith? And so some of you need to cry out for healing. Some of you, um, some of you know you're going to have to have some difficult conversations, some scary conversations. So the way that we're going to end our service today is this. The staff and the elders will be along the front and mostly on the sides over here. And if you know, if you need a prayer of a brother or a sister to, for just some encouragement because, because of what you think the Holy Spirit is calling you to do this week, then I would encourage you to come and to pray and ask for one of us to pray over you, to pray God's, God's courage, God's boldness, God's faithfulness in you so that you can do, you can put some action behind what you believe you've been called to do this week. 
Some of you need to come to the altar. Some of you need to come down here because you've been settling for too little. That you've been asking for this, this little nonsense when God has this abundant life in store for you. You need to come down here and just ask to be healed. Ask for a breakthrough. To ask for, for reconciliation in, in relationships, whatever it may be. All of us will respond by singing. By singing a, ston- a song that starts out, if faith can move a mountain, then let the mountain move. And we will respond that way. And some of you, the bold step you need to make is a response with tithes and offerings. But you've been clinging to that. And then the problem is, is it's gotten a hold of you and become an idol in your life. And maybe you would respond boldly by surrendering your tithes and offerings this day. The beautiful thing about it is, is that no matter where you are, that's right where the Holy Spirit will meet you. And he loves you so much that he would never leave you right there. So if you would please stand and pray with me. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that you have uh, called us to action because you are a God of action. God, for you so loved the world that you didn't just pray for us. God, for you so loved the world that you didn't just believe in us. But God, you so loved the world that you gave. You gave your only begotten son, Jesus, that you, um, God, that you were in the beginning and that you became flesh and dwelt among us and hung on a cross to pay for our sin and then were resurrected from the grave, God. And God, that same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the grave is alive and well in us this day. Holy Spirit, would you work? Would you move? Would you call us to bold faith in Jesus' name? And God, we give you all the glory. Amen. I hope you'll.